You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are so thankful to Jesus um, for the opportunity of this week. It's been such a gift to be with you all. And um, thank you for your willingness to let us share. I know some, some of this is required, but thank you for those of you who have also spent time opening your hearts and being vulnerable with us. Um, it's been such a gift to get to pray with you and encourage you and challenge you. So thank you, Greg. Thanks to your team for, for welcoming us and allowing us to be with you this week. Today we get to talk about the world hating us. <laughs> Today, we get to talk about the hard parts, the real stuff. Like, it isn't a glossed-over gospel, but we're going to look at the fullness of John 15. And Billy's going to come in a minute and unpack that a bit more. But I want to share with you um, from the personal experience I shared on Wednesday. When I was in Uganda and and heard the call of God in my life, um, Jesus used the text um, from Genesis 12 when he called Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Those are the first four verses of Genesis 12. And it's so interesting to me that when Jesus spoke to my heart that evening in Kampala, he, wasn't, he, he was very clear. I have great blessing for you. This life of love adventure with Jesus is like no other. And I will tell you with full honesty today, I have no regrets. Life with Jesus is the best reality I can ever imagine. And he invites you into that personally. Again, it will look different than our lives, but he's welcoming you. He's calling you. And the reality is that text promises a couple of things. One, I will bless those who bless you. So it's a promise. There'll be blessings. When we walk with him, there will be blessings. There will be days we have to look harder for those than others, but there will be blessing. He promises it. And the next verse, the next line, he says, I will curse those who curse you. And the reality is whether we like to talk about it or not, whether it's the fun part of the gospel or not, but there will be curses. There will be curses. And that's what's been so interesting walking with you guys this week. You you carry a lot of hurt. You know this part of the gospel, don't you? It's not easy. Walking with Jesus is not easy. But I have to tell you in both of those, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. That's a promise that in whatever comes in life, who is present? The one who's called. The Lord who's speaking to Abram. He says, I will be with you. He's got your back. It's not for you to to work up the blessing. It's not for you to to harm and hurt and say, oh, it's going to be terrible. No, it's for you to avail yourself to him and for him to be present with you whatever comes and whatever comes against you. In my days at Asbury, there were were ups and there were downs. And one of the gifts God gave me was from Isaiah 45. He says, I will go before you and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. And I will give you treasures hidden in darkness, secret riches. I will do this so that you may know 
that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. Sarah, Canaan, Kelly, he calls you by name. And whatever the bars of iron are in your life today, whatever those gates of bronze are, the impossibilities of walking with Jesus, the impossibilities of trusting him, Jesus says, the Lord, Yahweh, our personal God, comes and says, I see you, I know you, and I'm the one to move away those curses, those hurts, the pain that are the realities of your day. And I'm not doing it just to let you have pain and then see if you feel better. I'm doing it because I know you and I love you, and I want you to know me and love me and enter into that beautiful triune fellowship we talked about on Monday. When we started, when we literally were, were in the last months before we got on the plane to Uganda initially, I was at a women's conference in New York, and the speaker was a woman named Helen Rosevere. She's a British lady who had served Jesus in the Democratic Republic of Congo as a, as a doctor. And um, she had, the Lord used her in incredible ways. She went on her own and, and set up a mission hospital. Um, when our twins, when we found out we were pregnant with twins, we were actually in one of her hospitals. So she has an amazing legacy. And, and I was so, it was like meeting one of my heroes. I was so excited to get to meet her at this conference. And we're about to leave for Uganda. And so I said, um, Ms. Dr. Rosevere would, would you give me a scripture? Would you give me a word? Like, how would you pray for me? So that I may have Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. As a result, I can really know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I can learn what it means to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that somehow I can experience the resurrection from the dead. And that's the fullness of the gospel, friends, that when we walk with him, there, are, there is joy. There is incredible joy. And the reality is there are days of great suffering. But we follow a Jesus who leads us to a cross, and we know that on the other side of that cross is a resurrected Lord. There is fullness of life in Jesus, and that's what he welcomes us to this morning. So as Billy comes and shares the end of 15, let's not miss the very, very end of 15 is the promise of his spirit that as we go, as we trust him, as we go forward, we don't go alone. We go with his counselor, his helper, the Holy Spirit, who goes in us and loves through us a lost and dying world. Good morning. I want to just pick up the story, if I can, uh, right where we've been. And just kind of, I think it fits really well with what Joanna has kind of started us with this morning. Um, because we've been, what have we been talking about? We've been talking about the abiding life, life in God that always involves going forth and loving someone else. Remember that line in verse 16, as he says, you did not pick me, but I picked you that you may go and bear fruit. So that's what we're about this week is the going out of the abiding. So the question is, what is the response? How does this work? What's next? I'm so glad you ask, because I think that's exactly what Jesus goes to next. 
And he does it, let's pick up from verse 18. If the world hates you, (laughs) remember that it hated me first. For the world would love you if you belong to it, but you have no part in the world. I have chosen you out of the world, so the world hates you. Do you remember what I told you? That a servant is not above his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they would listen to me, they would listen to you. But now they do all these things to you because of me, because they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken these things to them. But as it is now, they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me hates my father. If I had not come and done the miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything that I have done. And they have hated me and they have hated my father. But this fulfills what was written in their scriptures. They will hate me without cause. But I will send to you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come forth from my father and he will testify about me. And you also must testify about me, for you have been with me from the beginning. 15 stops there, but I I love this little line in 16, the very first next line in 16. These things I have spoken to you so that you may keep from stumbling. I love it when Jesus tells us why he's telling us things. Men and women, this is the glorious gospel that Jesus is offering to us this morning is he says, I have created space in my life for you. Would you create space in your life for me? And if you'll do that, then there can be a union between you and I where I can know you intimately, but you can also know me. And as you get to know me, I can begin to share something of my heart for the lost and dying world with you. And he's looking for people today who would be willing to say, I wanna know Jesus that intimately. I want that kind of friendship with God. But I love how honest he is. There's a sincerity to him. As he says, well, hold up, hold up, Asbury. Because <laughs> in a sense, all of us, it's like, ooh, ooh, pick me. I want a fruitful life. That sounds great. And Jesus says, let's put all the cards on the table. If they hate you, remember they hated me first. We say, wait a second. What do you mean if they hate you? I'm into the abiding part. I'm even open to the going part, but the hatred part, I, I just as much as leave that beside. But did you get that line? They'll hate you. Why? Because the world has no part in you. It's interesting. Jesus goes back to the abiding language 
And he says, if you've created space in your life for me, then there's not going to be room for the world. Men and women, we could just stop right there. Let me ask you. If we were to do an assessment of what dwells inside your heart, how much of it belongs to God? How much room is there for Jesus to have His way in you? And how much room in you has been taken over by the world? But if we go from hatred to rejection, it goes from bad to worse. Because did you get it? As he says, Jesus says, all these things they will do to you. Why? Because they have rejected who? And this gets real fascinating real quick. They haven't rejected me. They've rejected the one who sent me. And now suddenly we, become to, we come to a principle in missions, which I think so often we misunderstand. As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending the likes of you and I. And Scripture tells us, if, they accept this, if they'd accept you and I, who do they actually get? It's not just Billy. They get Jesus. And if they get Jesus, who do they get but the Father who loves them and is trying to draw the world to Himself? But if that is also true, but if that is true, then we've also got to turn it around and say if they reject the likes of you and I, as Joanna talked about, the curses, the sufferings, if they reject the likes of you and I, it's not actually me or you they are rejecting. Who is it? It's Jesus who lives inside us. And the truth is it's not Jesus they're rejecting. It's the Father who's desperately trying to draw all men to Himself. When we talk about missions, there is a representation aspect to it. You and I, as we abide in the life of God, have the opportunity to represent Jesus to the world. I think that's part of why what you're doing is of incredible importance. You say, well, Billy, I'm not Bible theology. I'm actually a media com. You know what we need? We need people that can think missionally in the world of media com. Film production? There's a desperate need for people who know and have encountered the ultimate storyteller and then know how to tell a very good story. You say, Billy, I'm not really into Christian film. That never does much for me. I don't, I'm not sure God's real interested in Christian film. Now, you bear with me. Bear with me. We don't need more good Christian films. What we need is we need filmmakers that know the Holy One. And if you know God, then when you tell a story, you'll tell a story that'll transform people because it will raise questions and it will, it, will, it will point people back to the Holy One. Jesus was the best storyteller there ever was. He's deeply interested in your media comm major. You say, Billy, I'm in literature. I'm, I'm going to be a, a high school literature teacher. I teach math. I mean, that's kind of what I felt like. I'm going to do math. That's it. 
I'm a social, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a social worker. I mean, yes, I know, but there's so many issues and there's so many constraints on when you can share your faith and when you can't and all that. It's like, how do I, you know what Jesus needs? Let me rephrase that. You know what Jesus is looking for? He's looking for people who have created space in their heart for him and are willing to walk into dark places like only social workers can go into. And they can bring and bear the light of the glory of God as revealed in the face of Christ Jesus. God's looking for men and women just like you to go to places that I'll never go and represent him to a world that doesn't know about a father who wants to call them son and daughter. It's interesting, though, because when we go, things get hard. And I think that's what I think that's what Jesus is promising for us. This stood out as funny. One of the rejection stories that uh, that came to my mind this morning, my daughter, our daughter reminded us of it is uh, we were living up country. We were in Arua and uh, we were up country. We, we had a I think we had um, I don't know if we had the twins yet. So we just had Elsie and Lucy and they were small. And uh, but we were planning a family. We were planning a, a holiday Bible club like a VBS kind of thing. Now, it just so happened, there's a backstory to this, is uh, there was a little grocery store in town. When we got there, it was the only grocery store. And uh, there was a, an Indian um, husband and wife that ran the grocery store. And they had one son, one son. And I have to tell you, he was not a nice boy. <laughs> he was not kind. And I remember our, our daughter, we went to the grocery store and uh, a grocery store, it's not big. Don't think like Walmart, think like kind of a, a small little room and kind of these little shelves. And sometimes there'd be stuff and sometimes there wouldn't. And if there was something, you bought it because it wouldn't be there next time, that kind of thing. But, uh, but there'd be this little boy kind of running up and down the aisles or doing whatever. And I remember one time he got right up in our girls' faces and spoke evil, not just to them, but over them. And uh, the girls were kind of terrified and we were kind of like, what's the deal with this kid? Like, come on, man. Like, this wasn't just kind of like playfulness or even a little bit of bullying. It was like his words were, were evil. So it's kind of like, okay, great. Well, we won't take the kids anytime one of us has to go to the grocery store. Like, fine. We can just, they don't need to put up with that. Like, well, a couple of weeks later, we're playing in this, this holiday Bible club and, uh, we're talking through. It's like, we're, I remember we were sitting in our room and we had the girls there. And so we're talking it through. We were trying to include the kids in this. And they were saying, oh, we need to invite the wafflers and these neighbors over here. And there were some other MKs that were close by the neighbors, uh, the neighbor kids, we wanted them to come. So we had, we were kind of making our list of folks that we needed to invite. And lo and behold, on the bed, Lucy chirps up and says, we need to invite that little boy from the grocery store. He needs Jesus. <laughs> And it was funny, I had two reactions. My first one was, yes, he does, and no, he's not welcome. <laughs> and I didn't, know what, I didn't know what demonic presence he was going to bring. I didn't know if he would assault one of our children or one of the other kids. But it was literally, it was like, if we invite that kid, none of the other kids are going to be willing to come. They all know he's mean. I prayed about it because Lucy had brought it up and I was trying not to tell her that, oh no, we can't invite that kid. He's really messed up and beyond the help of Jesus. So we thought, no, we got to at least pray about it. So we pretended to pray about it. Definitely not planning to invite that kid. But the truth was we ended up inviting that kid at Lucy's prompting. 
We invited that kid. We went and talked to his parents, explained what it was. They were devout. They are devout Hindus. But it was interesting. The kid was a handful and they were happy for him to be off their hands for a couple hours. So they said, sure. Yeah, that's fine. No problem. So uh, he didn't have a way to get there. So we had to go and pick him up. Uh, it's interesting. We pull up that first morning and there he is. Kirtan. His name was Kirtan. He was standing right there at the edge waiting to go to Bible club. Well, this wasn't at all what we expected. And the kid had so much energy, so much energy. So pretty quickly, by the, by the end of the first morning, we found out, like, we've got to have a job for Kirtan. Like, you pass out whatever the snacks are, or could you help hold the sign, or whatever. Um, we made him team captain. It was like we had to keep Kirtan busy, no question. But it's funny, we showed up the second morning to pick him up, and there he was. Auntie Joanna! Auntie Joanna! We showed up the third morning, Uncle Billy! Uncle Billy! And it was this real sweet kind of like, it was like, well, that's kind. That's like, but it's funny. He, he went from kind of being like, we needed an activity to then suddenly he started volunteering for everything. And it wasn't like we were having to come up with things. It was like he, he took on the VBS. He wanted to be a leader, wanted to serve, wanted to help. Friday afternoon, excuse me, the end Friday morning, it was a Friday morning. We asked the kids if anybody wanted to receive Jesus. And the kid that had spoken such evil things over my kids and whom I had been afraid to invite to Bible club is the kid that raised his hand and prayed to receive Jesus. I remember his cousin was with him and his cousin tried to get him to sit down, said, they are, they're talking about Jesus coming into your heart. Sit down. And Kirtan raised his hand higher and said, I know that's what I want to do. What can change a heart? To where it can speak so unkindly. And yet, over the course of some days, through the love of some little girls, somebody can go from saying no to God, not even knowing about Jesus, to suddenly being interested in creating a space in his life. That's what Jesus does. And he invites us to go to hard places where people say unkind things about us, they hate us and reject us. But he's wondering if you would be willing to go as a representative for him. It's not you they hate. It's him. But if you, but they're not going to get to know him and how much he loves them unless you and I go. We say, well, Billy, how do I get to that point? How do I get to the point where I can give my life away and be willing to endure rejection and suffering? Hardship difficulty. Did you get it? Joe referred to it there at the end of the passage. But I will send to you the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the one who advocates on your behalf and mine. And what's that? What's Jesus say? He qualifies him as he says, he's the spirit of truth. And I think this is so good because in the world that we live in, things get real blurry real fast. Jesus says, I want to put my spirit inside of you so that you know what is of me and what is of the world. What is true and what ultimately is an illusion or false reality. The only way you and I can endure hardship is if we are willing to open ourselves up to the life of God and allow His spirit to fill us not half full, 
not 90%, but to fill us full of the life of God. Men and women, where's God sending you this week? Are you open to His Spirit, having full control? One, so you can know His life and experience His joy. But then two, so you can endure the hardships that are on the way coming. You know, I thought as a, for a, a story as we were talking about how to close today, we thought of one other story, a going story. It's a true story, and it comes from God's Word, and it goes like this. That same day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side of the lake. So they left behind the crowd and they took Jesus in the boat and there were other little boats with them. And suddenly a furious storm came up, so much so that the waves were crashing over the boat and the boat was about to sink. Jesus was in the back of the boat with his head on a pillow. The disciples woke him and said, Master, don't you care if we drowned? And Jesus got up and rebuked the waves and said to the wind, Peace, be still. And immediately the wind died down and it became completely calm. And then Jesus asked his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you have no faith? And the disciples were terrified. And they said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That story comes from the end of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. But men and women, some of you all have been listening to Jesus this week. And you've sensed the Spirit of God at work in your heart. The truth is, some of you are afraid of being hated by the world, being rejected. Some of you have already tasted some of that. You know exactly what Joanna was referring to. Men and women, we want to suggest to you this morning, the only way you and I can endure the storms of life is if we are willing to open ourselves up and allow God to fill us with His Holy Spirit. In the story, Jesus invited the disciples to go to the other side of the lake. Where's God asking you to go this week? We need some folks in North Africa. We can't reach the world without some people that are willing to go to North Africa. You won't find harder ground. You won't find tougher, more challenging circumstances than a place like North Africa. But we need some people like you all who say, I want to be full of God and full of His Spirit, and I'll cross that lake and I'll go wherever He tells me to go. We need some people that said, I want to be a part of the kingdom of God in the urban center. You know, you can't tell the story of the kingdom of God without telling the story of cities. We need some people who have a heart for the urban context. Start with Lexington. It's a good start, but we need some people that are willing to go to places like Laos. We need some people, people who are willing to go to places like those places like in Cambodia. We need people who are willing to go to cities like Manila, Jakarta, 
We need people who are willing to go to places like Beijing and say, I want to represent God, come what may. And I promise you, there will be storms. Storms that will fill your boat, and for all practical purposes, you'll think you're drowning. And yet I also promise you that the God who is inviting you to go and offer His life and His love to the world is a God who's in the business of calming storms in my life, calming storms in your life. And He would love it if you would tell those around the world that He can even calm storms in their lives. For whatever reason, however He's designed it, He's invited us to participate with Him, not just in the abiding and shared life, but in the going. Where's He sending you this morning? The altar's open if you want to come and pray and tell Him yes. If you need to pray in your seat, don't leave here without having said yes to God and yes to whatever His Spirit is saying to you.